0: Monitors your, or your video, and also mute your microphone so that people uh, don't catch you online. And we're just about to start into our live stream. It's always this fateful moment where we, we wait with eager anticipation. I'd just like to say a good welcome to everyone who's joining us for our live stream. Uh, It's only one part of our service here at City Temple. If you'd like to join us for the whole service via Zoom, just drop us an email, uh, or you can come and and be with us in person here at City Temple. Now, if you have your Bibles, let's turn together to two places. And because it's kind of cool in here today, uh, for those who are gathered here, uh, I'll try to go quickly today so you don't freeze to death. Uh, But uh, anyway, two places, John chapter 1, uh, 14 to 18, and Titus chapter 2. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is trustworthy and true. Now I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts in the power of your Holy Spirit and let your spirit rest upon me that I might bring your word to your people this day through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. John here is writing about Jesus, and this whole passage in John chapter 1 is about Jesus, but we're going to look at the latter part of that, starting with verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. You know, for a lot of people, this time of the year is one of their favorite times of the year. Uh, They love going about and seeing the lights. Uh, They love going to church services and singing the carols. Uh, In fact, it's quite interesting that many non-believers, many atheists, like to go to church at Christmas time and sing the carols uh, because it's what they grew up with and they enjoy that. But the question that we're asking here in this sermon series is, you know, that's all well and good, but is it all just a fantasy? Is it all just a myth? Is it all just a legend? You know, like King Arthur and his round table and Merlin and, and all kinds of magical things like that. Is it you know an early version of Harry Potter somehow or is it the truth when we say Emmanuel that Jesus was Emmanuel God is with us is that true is God really with us that's what we're asking and obviously as Christians we would answer that question yes and if you are a believer in Jesus, you would say, yes, God is really with us. God is with us, but how do we know? How, why is it more than wishful thinking that we can say God is with us? Last week we said we can know because we have love in the world. Real, biblical kind of love that's zealous, self-giving commitment to other people for their benefit. But today, we would say that, yes, we know that God is with us because there is grace in the world. Not only love, but there is grace. Now, when I say love, we said last week that love is a love that's present even in the lives of non-Christians. And when we say the word grace, we're talking about a grace that is present even in the lives of of those who are not Christians so we need to understand a little bit of this idea of grace and it's something that we would call God's common grace God's common grace God's common grace is an indicator that God is with us Emmanuel God's common grace is an indicator that God is with us Emmanuel now grace itself is undeserved favor and kindness grace is undeserved favor and kindness as Christians we'll talk about grace in two broad ways one is saving grace and we talk a lot about saving grace how we live by grace and when we're talking about saving grace we're talking about the particular grace of God Expressed in Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are saved by grace through faith. A grace that is, uh, the faith even is a gift from God. So no one can boast. Now that's saving grace. And people who have experienced God's saving grace are those who have been converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, given a new life in Christ Jesus and know that we're united with Christ and with one another, and we have an eternal destiny in the kingdom of God. But there's also a common grace, which is the grace that everybody in the world experiences, but it nonetheless is God's grace, God's common grace. It's grace that is all around us in this world. How can we take ownership of that? that kinda grace because Christianity is the only global religion that embraces grace Christianity is the only global religion you look at Islam now Islam doesn't believe in grace Islam believes in mercy and there's a difference mercy is not getting what you deserve but grace is getting what you don't deserve mercy is not getting what you deserve grace is getting what you do not deserve now Islam believes in mercy as do we as Christians you know they say that Allah is uh, infinite and merciful and the hope is that Allah will forgive your sins have mercy on you and let you into paradise but you don't know that to your dead now personally I'm kinda glad that I've got God's grace in Jesus Christ so I can know what's gonna happen to me before I die you look at Hinduism and Buddhism grace doesn't exist in Hinduism and Buddhism it's all about karma you know you get what you get out what you put in and the hope is that you'll do more good works than bad works over the course of your lifetime and if you do more good than bad then karma works for you and if you don't, then as they say, karma is a something or other. I won't say that. but uh, But there's karma. But that's not grace. That's not grace at all. In fact, you look around and Christianity is where we hear about God's grace. Both his saving grace and his common grace. But we can see it all around us. We can see it all around us. But how can we see it? Well, there are certain signs that we can see of God's common grace that show, that demonstrate that God is with us, that God is Emmanuel. And I'll just mention a few. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Well, first of all, good prevails and evil is restrained. Now, a lot of times we like to say that good is more powerful than evil. But you know what? I don't know that that's necessarily true on the face of it. When you look around and you see the brutality of evil, you see the wickedness of evil, you see how it's manifested so many times through Stalin and through Hitler, through Mao Tse Tung, uh, in, uh, in the killing fields of Cambodia. Uh, you see it in, in, uh, in, in various places with Boko Haram. And you can just go on and on. Evil is there and it seems so powerful and so prevalent and so devastating and yet evil does not overcome us. In fact time after time we see good prevailing. We see good rising to the top. Now there is no evolutionary explanation for that to happen by the way. In the survival of the fittest mentality If evil is the fittest, then evil should survive. And many times, evil seems to be the fittest. But as we've seen so many times throughout history, good prevails. In times such as World War II, we see good prevailing. And that tells me that there is a grace upon our world, and if ever that grace was withdrawn from us, evil would quickly overcome us. Another indicator that there's a common grace that shows God really is with us is that people do good things in ways that cannot be otherwise explained. You know, I had somebody uh, during the the first uh, lockdown with COVID, I had somebody come through my door and uh, put a, a note through my door, hey, if you need me to get groceries for you, anything like that, just give me a call and left their phone number. I don't know who that person was that person doesn't know me but yet they were seeking to do good why it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense in this kind of world and yet we saw that all over the place during the last couple of years during the confrontation with COVID We've seen people do so many good things spontaneously applauding the NHS and you know doing that for you know how many months were we doing that every every night on a regular basis. These kinds of good things are happening and it's not just Christians doing them. There're Muslims that are doing them. There're Buddhists that are doing them. There's Hindus that are doing them. There are atheists that are doing them. Humanists that are do- they're doing good things and yet if you think about it Doing good doesn't necessarily make sense, especially when there's no discernible benefit for it, and yet people are doing it all the time. Now, I'm saying that, I mean, it doesn't, I'm not saying that sin isn't there and prevalent and powerful. It certainly is. Sin is very destructive, but we see goodness come out in people time after time after time in ways that are completely unexplainable except for us as Christians we'd say well that's a sign of God's common grace another that's very similar I think is the quest that we see so often for justice and fairness in our societies if you look historically at Hinduism there's no quest for justice and fairness historically in Hinduism. You look at Buddhism, what's the issue in Buddhism? Well, the Buddha, you know, he he left his wife and children to go find enlightenment. Oh, that really sounds like a, a, a an example for everybody to emulate. You look at that, it doesn't exist uh, in Islam. It's all about, you know, Sharia having the upper hand and redefining justice and yet we see this uh, with people from all different kinds of religions, all different walks of life this desire, this quest for justice and fairness why are people so upset about the supposed party uh, last year at number 10? it's because of the sense that it's hypocritical it's not just, it's not fair for something like that to happen while everybody else is suffering where do we get that? It's from God's common grace. Or you got the, the whole issue of the spirit of community among strangers. I mean, it's one of the things I love about London is how people across London, I've been in places in other parts of the country where people are completely, completely torn apart along racial and cultural lines. And yet in London, we see people repeatedly coming together mixed marriages and things and I just love that that's God's common grace we see human resilience in the face of suffering and difficulty I think that comes by God's common grace and one of the biggest things I see is in forgiveness when people are forgiving one another forgiveness doesn't make sense outside the context of Christianity why would you let somebody off for doing something that harmed you. Why would you forgive them? Why not go like many do in in Islam and seek revenge? It's because of God's common grace. So we have these signs, these indicators all around us that God's common grace is here in our world and that's a sign that God, the God that we promote, the God that we love, the God that we worship the God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that God is with us but in order to recognize this we need to deal with some of the demonic distortions that blind us to the grace that shows us God is with us there's the demonic distortion that is called license license and it basically is the attitude well I deserve grace so I can live however I want to live. That's license. It doesn't matter who I sleep with. It doesn't matter what I watch. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how selfish I am. You know, I can live to please myself because I deserve grace. And that's a demonic distortion that will blind us to the truth that God is with us. Or another one is legalism. And this is the one that comes out so often in Christian groups and circles. Now, legalism is the idea that I can earn grace. I can earn grace. So if I only follow the Ten Commandments, I deserve God's grace. If I only surrender my life to Jesus a little bit, I get God's grace. Uh, If I do all the right things, then God will show me his grace. Uh, And that's not only Christian legalism. You know, that's legalism all over in the world. You know, people who think, well, if I do this, if I pay my taxes, then the society owes me something. It owes me an expression of grace. And that kind of legalism distorts, demonically distorts, blinds us to the truth that God is with us. Or there's what I I call, I really wrestled to get the right word for it, but I call it controlling reciprocity. Now there's a certain goodness to reciprocity. So if I do something good to you, you do something good to me. I mean, that's okay. Uh, Our world is based on a lot of that. It's like, if I pay you certain money, I should get a fair deal. That's a reciprocity. And so reciprocity is not a bad thing. But there's this kind of this idea that if I show grace to you, you must show grace to me. If I give you a present, you must give me a present. Uh, And it's instinctive in all of us. Uh, We took Amy home last uh, Saturday. Was it last? last? Yeah, it was last Saturday. Gosh, how time flies. Amy, we miss you. We took Amy home last Saturday, and uh, and her mom and dad had given us just this huge bag, paper bag, full of Christmas presents, each individually wrapped and it was a little overwhelming because we didn't buy them anything and you know you know you know what I'm thinking the first thing that comes into your mind is okay what am I gonna get them in exchange right I mean that's just ingrained in us and we have to step back from that because they didn't give that to us to get they just gave it to show grace in part because we grace to their daughter and so we're now resisting the urge to buy them lots of gifts and we won't do it because we need to see God's common grace and we don't want to blind ourselves by this feeling I have to pay it back all the time sometimes we just need to receive so we got to get rid of those demonic distortions resist them recognize God's common grace around us and then live as people of grace we need to show that God is with us. We need to show that kind of grace in our lives as Christians, as we live, because let's face it, today, a reason why a lot of people don't follow Jesus is they don't see grace in Christians. Now, I'm not talking about license, telling people you do whatever you want to. I'm certainly not talking about legalism, telling people that you got to follow God so God will bless you. And I'm not talking about a reciprocity. I'm saying that we need to live out grace in our lives so that people see us. How do we do that? Well, first and foremost, you've got to keep surrendering your life to Jesus. There's a great new song that's come out with Hillsong. Uh, It's called Resurrender. And uh, I encourage you to look it up. I really like it. We might end up doing it at some point in time here at CT. But it says, you know, it's time we need to resurrender. And that's true must surrender our lives to Jesus Christ receiving his grace and we need to keep surrendering our lives to Jesus that's how we need to live this lives these lives that are surrendered to Jesus second thing we need to do is start forgiving ruthlessly you need to forgive like that you need to train yourself discipline yourself to act in grace instinctively as soon as somebody hurts you Hurt your feelings, says something you don't like. You say, "Lord, I choose to forgive this person for doing this thing which made me feel this way. I ask you to heal my emotions and bless this person, and make that your instinctive prayer. You know, and do that even for things that seem silly. You know, I've joked a lot about my parking space in front of my house. Uh, actually, I had an offer from somebody to who in parking in Islington." Who could reserve that for me but I said no that would be sinful on my part to do that and I've joked a lot about that but when I when I go home today I'm sure that somebody will be in my spot which is not my spot but you understand what I mean and uh, and so you know what I've done I, I'll say in my heart Lord I choose to forgive that person I used to say I choose to forgive that idiot but I don't do it anymore Lord I choose to forgive that person for parking in my spot which has made me feel a little annoyed. And I ask you to bless that person and give them that spot <laughs> as long as they need it. You know, uh, uh, it, but, and it's silly, right? That's just utterly silly. But, you know, it makes a difference. So even if it seems it's silly what someone has done to you and doesn't really need to be forgiven, or you say, oh, well, they didn't mean to do it, don't excuse it, forgive it. Lord, I choose to forgive this person for doing this thing which made me feel this way, and I ask you to heal my damaged emotions and bless this person. Forgive ruthlessly. And then start trying to receive grace from God in order to give grace generously. Receive grace to give grace. Know that God has forgiven you so you forgive other people. Know that God thinks the best of you So start thinking the best of other people. Don't think that your boss is out to get you, but think the best of your boss. Maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe he's having a struggle at home. Now give grace, give grace, give grace, give grace. Give grace in your attitudes toward other people and live by grace in your own life. Stop condemning yourself all the time. Stop uh, criticizing yourself. And cursing yourself oh I'm stupid I'm an idiot that's a dumb thing I I just I'm I'm such a dumper stop that don't do it God's giving you grace live by that grace in your life common grace is a sign that God is with us as humanity as human beings in this world but common grace is not enough. The world needs to see a church, a people of Jesus, who are living by grace in their lives every single day, especially at this time of the year. As the world sings the carols, the old familiar songs, they need to see The church the people of God living by grace through faith in Jesus Christ let's pray Lord God we love you and we worship you you are so amazing and loving and gracious to us and we thank you let your Holy Spirit rest upon us as we go forth from this place and let us go forth in grace All to the glory and praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.